Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing today? Andy. I'm doing I'm doing well. You're doing well. How That's are you great. doing? Uh, you know I'm doing pretty good. Uh, things are things are going good. Nice. You're looking good today. Thank you. Looking sharp. Thanks. Yeah, you're not so bad yourself, man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any random topics for you today. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So, should we just jump right into our design topic? I guess so. Yeah, you didn't come prepared, so we have nothing else to do. No. All right, man. Got nothing else. (laughs) Okay. The boring... Boring introduction. Uh, yeah, off to a good start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Patrick, let's jump into our, our design topic. Um, yeah, to get things going here. So, um, today, our design topic comes from friend of the show, Chris Jenkins. And Chris, nice. he wrote in and he said um, he wants to know, how to know when you spent enough time on a design. How to know when you spent enough time on a design. Oh, yes. That's a tough one, dude. Yeah. So you, is there, is there ever enough time on a design? I think there might be, I think it's possible to spend enough time. You think so? But it's, Hmm. it's not an easy, it's not an easy feat, you know, to, to immediately know when you're done. But yeah. I think I think it's possible to do. Cuz you can just keep going and going and going and going. Yes. Designs are never done. That's true. Designs aren't done, but he wants to know when you spent enough time. What is like the time that you need to spend on a design, right? Cuz you could spend forever. Yeah. But you could also yeah. get fired doing that. <laughs> so um, what, yeah. what, when so have you enough spent time. enough time? Yeah. The minimum time on a design. Hmm. It's kind of like, it's kind of like jump rope, Andy. You know how, you know how when you were kids, I'm sure you played a lot of jump rope when you were a kid, Andy. Yeah, sure. You look like the kind of guy, like you, you smacked me as the kind of guy that did a lot of jump roping when he was a kid. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> Just like. I can just picture you as a kid with that afro doing a lot of jump roping. Yeah, you know, I, I get that a lot. You know, a lot of people walk up the to me dreads. on the street. You had the dreads, right? I had dreads in high school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do have a lot of people that that say like, "You must have been a huge jump roper when you were in grade school." Just just by the way I look, mm-hmm. and yeah, I get that all the time. So yeah, nothing new here. It's mostly because of the dresses you wear and the fact that you carry like chalk around and stuff. To do hopscotch, people just go, well, if he wears a... <laughs> what? <laughs> the dresses I wear? I don't know. Just, I just tried to go with, I just tried to go with, you know, like little girls, you know, playing hopscotch and, and uh, you know, jacks and uh, like jump roping. That's all I saw. Dude, dude, they're not playing jacks. They haven't been playing jacks since... Like the fifties. <laughs> no, isn't, uh, Patrick. Isn't that the last Patrick, time people jump roped? 
Yes. No. Um, I think 50s. I think some people. I saw some kids jump roping in my school, but but what I was doing instead of jacks <laughs> like you is I was playing pogs, and I was bringing my Game Boy to school and playing Pokemon. Mm. Uh, that's yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. I, I can't say I did a lot of jump roping, but I, I, I can't say I have, I've never done jump roping. Like I, I did some in my day, but I never, <laughs> I don't even know how to play jacks. Pre, pre-pogs. Yeah, yeah, pre-pogs. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about jacks either. <laughs> <laughs> like, I may be, I may be getting up there, but I still don't know what jacks are. Doesn't involve dice of some kind. That's good. no. I know what jacks no. look like. I just don't know how to play. There's like a there's oh wait, that's the rubber ball with the little star looking metal things, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And I think you like bounce it and you like pick some jacks up and then you let it bounce again and that's as far as I know. That's what I've seen kids do in the fifties movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. And then you spin the bottle around, you make somebody do a dare, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how Jax works. Anyway, the, the jump rope thing. Remember the day <laughs> the day back when you were jump roping and there was two people holding the jump rope and then you were waiting to jump in that jump rope? You know? Yes, yes. That's what that's what understanding what like enough design is like. It's more of a feel. Than it is oh. a uh, a definite ending. It's not like a race. It's more like, okay, okay, I can. All right, one more. I'm gonna let it go around. Well, okay, I'm gonna, now I'm gonna jump in. That's what it's like. <laughs> so it's like a gut feeling, is what you're saying. I think it's a gut feeling, and I think it's based on knowing what the goals of the design are. Mm-hmm. So if you if you know what the goals of the design are, you know the problem that you're trying to solve, that's when your gut comes in and says, I think we solved the problem. Yes. And I'm going to walk away from this right now. I was going to mention that as well. Um, I think that's the most important part about knowing when you're done. Um, so if you're designing the right way, Patrick, um, you're going in with some research, right? So like, if I'm, if I'm starting to you know put some pixels on an artboard, I, I do have a purpose in this. And the purpose is solving some sort of problem, is creating some sort of solution that I've predefined in my research, you know, with with users, with individuals. Um, and, you know, of course, we do that by uncovering those pains and the jobs to be done. And then you are going and either updating an existing design or creating something brand new that's going to be able to solve for those initial issues. Um, so if you if you have that figured out, you're going to then be able to go, you know, to your artboards in your your dark corner as a designer, and uh, start mocking up, start wireframing a solution, right? Yeah. And, I and think, then you'll hit a point where it's like, I think I did this. I think that yeah. solves the problem, right? And then you're like, I'm going to take this to some users. And then you're going to user test that, and then you're going to know if that's enough design, right? Yes, exactly. And I think a really good way to be to go about this is like when, when you 
do your initial research and you uncover those jobs, you uncover the, the, the pains, and then you start to consider some solutions, um, either alone as a designer with other designers or other um, stakeholders in your company. Um, you're considering solutions. And what you want to do is before you even start designing is you think about how you can um, at least come to some sort of certainty that whatever design you come up with, you know, is going to solve for that problem. So you basically come up with a hypothesis. If I design this thing and I test it with users, I'm going to be able to know that this thing solves for this problem, right? It's a solution. Um, and this is the, the minimum solution that I need to be able to solve for this problem. And so if you go into this, um, go into designing with that in mind, with your hypothesis, and you, you already know what you're going to explore, um, that's when you're going to be able to know when you're able to finish that design, right? There, there might be some questions you need to be, you need asked, but you can, of course, um, learn some more of that stuff when you are testing with users. Um, so, um, for example, when I've had, when I've had stuff that I have been working on, um, when I go to create a testing plan, I already know um, what I want to know before I, you know, start testing. So basically, I'm going to write down here's all the things I want to know. Um, and I'm going to use this design as a way for me to find that out, um, you know, by showing this to, to users, asking them questions. Um, so I think if you if you know all of this beforehand, then you're going to be able to know when to quit. And you mentioned, Patrick, that it's sort of a gut feeling. And I my initial thought was that it wasn't sort of a gut feeling, that it's more like, um, if this thing can solve for that thing, then that's it. And that's not really a gut thing. But at the same time, I, I think I'm more leaning towards towards what you're talking about because um, I think there's a lot of different ways to solve a single problem. And you as a designer can choose A, B, or C, or you know whatever way to solve it. So you, want, you are using your discretion and your gut um, to figure out how to solve that problem. And um, I think there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And those could be simple. Those could be harder and more complex. Um, knowing which is right for your users is where your gut comes in. You know, with your experience, understanding your users, understanding your company, and also what, what you are capable of designing as a designer. I think you kind of have your, your end design ready at that point. Um, with all of those factors in. So I think I think it probably is a gut decision waiting for that jump rope to be in the right place for you to jump in, Patrick. Yeah, I think I think it is like to your point like your the, the if you don't know the goal, like if you don't know the problems you're trying to solve or the business needs or whatever it is you're trying to do, then you can't rely on your gut because your gut doesn't have any of that in it, right? You just design all day long until you get, say, tired, right? Or, you know, it's like, hey, I'm just sick of this project. I just want to be done with it. And that's a bad situation to be in, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think you do need to know what problems you're trying to solve ahead of time before you start designing, obviously. And then, and then just rely on, on, your own intuition to be like, I think I've, I think I've solved the puzzle. Right. And it may be, it may be a little bit early, you know, it may be like, 
you may be a little bit early sometimes and you may be a little bit late sometimes but i think you know it doesn't it doesn't necessarily change the goal like if you if you've ever if if you're building a puzzle right and you get down to the 12 pieces left and you you can see where they all go you can you could you can be done with that puzzle you don't have to put it all together right and i think i think that's the thing with design is like you can get down and maybe there's a couple pieces left that you need to still noodle with but you've put enough in because now you like you can see that you've solved a problem mm-hmm. um, and that kind of gives you that trigger of like oh okay i think i'm i think i'm there now right so the the problem to be solved is like the puzzle it's like once you kind of see it and you kind of you kind of know it um, then you kind of know that you've done enough now there there could be some more tweaks you could you could make and that's where you get into trouble right is you could just keep you can just keep tweaking it and, you know, moving buttons around and whatever you need to do. Um, you could add another screen. You could go, oh, what if we did this? But I think it really comes down to, yeah, getting, getting to that point where the whole picture now is kind of like you, you have it fleshed out. Like you've got the whole picture in, in your brain. And, I, and that's not something, you know, and depending on the project, depending on the, the business need, depending on the problem, depending on the goals, um, there's no time limit on it. There's no checklist on that, right? It just depends on it depends on the problem. And yeah. so you can't really even assign like, oh, 10 hours of work or, you know, whatever. Like it's, it's hard to estimate that kind of – it's hard to – I think that's why it's hard to estimate design work because without knowing the problem, you just really can't – and even with knowing the problem because it's so experimental – you just don't really know. Like, oh, I don't know, I'm going to play around with it for a day and see how much progress I can make. Um, but you're constantly, because it's experimental, you're constantly trying something and then learning and trying and learning. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be a step, right, when you're waiting for that jump rope to swing around. That's your next iteration. That's the next thing you're going to try. And you're going to see it, and you're going to be like, oh, okay, I think I, I think I hit it this time. And that's that's really hard to estimate. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a lot of tools that you can use as a designer to help you make that decision to know when you're done. Um, so you could be the type of designer where you do it all yourself, where the, the gut decision to jump into that jump rope to be done with your design is something you have um, come up with yourself entirely. But I think there's better ways actually to help you understand when you've actually solved something. And I think... Um, some of the tools that you can use that I want to list as examples um, always include other individuals. So not just you as a designer doing it all by yourself. And some really good ways to go about doing this is um, sharing your work um, along the way. So if you if you are the type of person who starts with your design, start putting your pixels on your artboard and you don't show anybody until it's high fidelity, all the way completed, all your screens are you know, ready to go and envision or whatever, um, uh, you're missing out. Um, you're leaving a lot of potential, um, a lot of potential, what's the word, uh, improvements of your design on the table. Um, so essentially Mm -hmm. you, you miss out on, if you don't share this design with other people and get feedback from them, you miss out on getting your design a lot better, you know, throughout that design process. And, you can do this through a lot of different ways. Of course, you can just show anybody your design, no matter where it is, knowing that it's missing icons, knowing that it's missing 
um, UX copy. You could just show it to them and get feedback if it's in low fidelity or high fidelity, whatever. And um, that feedback can help you make better design decisions. Um, you can have um, workshops with um, stakeholders or just even other designers on your team where you can have crazy eight exercises where you lay out, you know, here's the problem I'm solving for. And then you allow them to, you know, take um, whatever it is, eight or 10 minutes to come up with a bunch of different ideas. And those ideas can go into your design. Um, and uh, you could do, you know, testing with users, testing with um, internal users as well um, within your company along the way to see how it's going. And if you start to see a pattern with the feedback you're getting, like um, this is consistently solving for this thing, then, hey, my design is ready. It's ready to actually take out and really do a you know a real life usability test with all of my users and actually get the data I need to you know give me the certainty to say this is the right solution um, so I think there's a lot of things you can do along the way to um, help with that gut so it's not all based on you know you as a designer it can really come you know from your community um, that's that's all around you so there's a lot of different ways you can make that decision yeah and all those are part of are a part of keeping your eyes open right like making sure you're looking at everything all the time because i think i think it's easy for us <clears throat> it's easy for designers to just get in a rhythm of design and and be in like some kind of like you know just focused on the design that you don't see what's happening around you right you don't see you don't you don't see the movements of the product you don't see what other people are talking about what other people are doing um, you don't, you know, you don't branch out and, and ask people. I think that's all part of the whole process of, of, you know, paying attention to your surroundings, right? Like the jump rope, like if you're so focused on the jump rope, but you're not focused on the space between the jump rope and the people, you know, like you're going to jump in at the wrong time and get swatted with the jump rope. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you're not paying attention to the guy, maybe the one guy's his handle slipping, right. And he's going to smack you with it. Like, all those things go into play. All that input goes into play, and I think I think that's what you're talking about too. Is like other people. That's that's a bunch. That's all that other input that you need to understand if the problem's being solved, and you have to use that um, and not just get stuck, right? And I think that's really where I think that's I think when you're too when you're too focused um, on the project that you're working on. I think that's when people tend to, you know, fall in that trap of I'm going to keep moving pixels around or I'm going to try this other way or I'm going to do this because they're just not satisfied. Right. But they mm -hmm. haven't looked outside of themselves. They haven't looked at it holistically. They're just too close. And when you're too close, you just tend to go forever and ever and ever, yeah. you know, and you, you tend to like focus on the perfection and not the problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. And I think kind of going along the lines of looking at things holistically, if if we're not doing that and we are kind of in our own vacuum of solving for our own problems, and let's say we work on the design team where we, you know, only design for a specific portion of the application, for example, um, we can maybe solve our problems, but we could also create other problems um, if we aren't um, <laughs> working on a holistic level, you know, for our users. Um so that's, that's definitely an, another issue that we can run into where if we're, if we're not thinking in that way, um, what we can do to better the entire, um, experience of the application, 
um, then yeah, we can, we can definitely have a lot of problems that way for sure. Yeah. But yeah, number one, understand the problem. You don't, you won't know, you won't know when enough is enough if you don't know what the problem is. And the problem is the enough part, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's when, you know, um, so if you don't know that, then I think you, you're not going to like, you're never going to have an ending point. Um, so yeah, start there and then everything else kind of works into play. All the, all the tools you were talking about, all the feedback and gathering feedback and user testing. That's all stuff to give you gauges on when you hit the problem. But if you don't understand the problem and what you're trying to solve for, then you probably shouldn't be designing anything at that point, <laughs> really, <laughs> um, until you understand that. But um, and that should be pretty clear. Sometimes they're sometimes they're a little vague or they're broad, right? The problem is big; mm -hmm. it's not very narrow. But you gotta have you gotta have the problem in mind. You gotta have the target in mind. Yeah, exactly, and. Um, there's sometimes when um, you might try to sneak in other problems too as part of your solution um, that you're trying to solve for. Just yeah. because you like it, you know, I think it's interesting. It'd be fun to design. Um, you just kind of throw something else in there, um, and then that's when your your design as well as the the eventual build could be way out of scope for the problem. And mm -hmm. this is going to take way longer than it needs to to get out to your users. Um, so that could be a problem. And, um, I think something to help combat this is, uh, what I have done in the past for something like this that has helped is, you know, after our research, you know, phase of the design process, um, understanding what the problem is, understanding the, you know, the jobs that we're solving for. So, um, we, we kind of got this all together as a, as a, a um, cross-functional team and we scoped out what we're specifically solving for and we we said like okay this out of this we saw a lot of really great ideas um that you know we are able to get inspiration from from our users um, some of these ideas we should focus on right now and some of these other ideas we should table for later because we just don't have the ability to work on that now so if you're having like a, a scoping exercise with your team that's going to help you as well um, so you don't go on crazy tangents in your design um, and you get to focus really specifically on one thing, you get to get it out, you know, in a efficient and timely manner. Um, and, you know, get, yeah, get that, that value out to your users as soon as possible. For sure. So, I like that too. Cause knowing scope is, yeah. The designers are notorious for scope creep. Yes. We're usually the ones that create it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so don't do that <laughs> as best you can uh, but that, that that can happen of course like you know that once once something is being built like let's say you've you've finished your design you've you know it's the the project is you know defined as ready and so your your developers, your engineers start working on it, then you you learn a lot more things about the technology that you didn't know before, or things that you miss, which we have talked about on this podcast is always it's a very common thing. And so like things are always creeping in to projects, right? But um, as long as you still focus on like what is the north star of this project, and it's this it's this solution that we need to get for our users, like right? That's that's what we really need to focus on, and um, we might have missed some things that we didn't think about to get to that solution and we have to do it you know to get there but if we're we're adding new stuff to this project that's unnecessary 
um, that's solving for different solutions. Um, we might want to question ourselves as to why we're really bringing those things in. Um, is it really solving for the, the right things? Um, and if it's not, then let's, let's do this another time. I think this need this, like as creatives, I think there's this need to, to be innovative on everything that we work on. And I think that that also goes now, now that can be part of the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, and a lot of times it, it is, but I think a lot of times it's not also. And so I think that can create, that can, that can, that can fog your vision too of like, you know, you are, you know, the, the goal of this project is we want to be able to, you know, maybe the goal is input the person's, you know, the user needs to input the person's credit card number mm -hmm. um, so they can complete their payment. Like you don't need to take that screen and you don't need to try to, you know, reinvent it every time like there are certain things that just don't need to be reinvented or reimagined or or innovated on right at least right now and i think we sure. get in that trap sometime of every project that we get is like well i'm gonna make this the best you know this is gonna be the best credit card input form you've ever seen and then you start to question like well you know what if uh you know, do we really need the person to like put in their full credit card number? You know, do we really need? And then you start questioning. So you start you start going into that innovative, you know, mode of questioning everything that exists, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that can that can lead you to getting drastically out of scope as well, right? And not to say that whatever you're going to invent there would be maybe a better user experience, but maybe it's just completely out of scope. You know, it's like. It's like trying to solve, you know, it's like, it's like, hey, I just need to go, you know, I need to go over to the gas station and, and you know, get a refill on my soda. So I'm going to go jump in my helicopter, right? Like some of these things you just don't need. They're just like, it's too much. And I think as designers, as people that are creative, I think that's what we want to do by nature. I feel like is we want to make it better, you know, like we see something that's broken, that's wrong, and we want to come up with a better way to do it. But I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes with the projects that we have, it's, we don't need to do that, and we can we can solve this problem, and then we can move on to something that maybe needs to be more innovative, right? Yes. But I think we I think we do fall in this trap, and that's where a lot of the scope creep comes from. In my mind, is like trying to be too innovative and creative. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and. I think like that's also a gut decision in some ways. Like when, when should I know when I should be innovative or when should I know when I should just, you know, keep things like I, I need to do a solution. I don't need to do anything new. I can do it the same way it's been done before. Right. And I think yeah. the way you can really answer that question for yourself is if the users need it to be innovative. Like if you've uncovered that in your research that like, like your example of like, they like, the credit card number, you know, instead of having all of those digits, I just want to do the last four. If you've uncovered that is an actual need, that that is like a huge pain that every user is experiencing. You're seeing that um, that pattern across your research. That's when you're you need to innovate, and you haven't seen any other sort of um, example of any other company or application has done before. Then you should innovate, right? Um, but 
probably when your solution doesn't have anything to do with that that credit card digit thing like if you don't it doesn't matter like everyone's used to adding all of those digits it's something they expect and nobody mentioned that it's actually a problem for their workflow then you probably don't need to do something like that you could just you know let them yeah. enter in all of their digits and they'll be okay they're not going to complain about it so uh, yeah, yeah. There's just that... there's just times where you just you just have to produce something, you know, that solves the problem, and it doesn't have to be, you know, doesn't have to be Elon Musk innovative type crap every time, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should you should be an innovative person, but when you need to be, not not when you don't need to be. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from you, Patrick. It's like. <laughs> It's like when you, when, when, uh, I always use that example. There was a, there was a conference talk about, um, Adobe XD early on. And they gave this talk about like lessons they learned and one lesson they learned. And this is what I got from it was from the designers that were designing XD early on was they, they questioned whether or not they should have layers. Like if they could do something better without layers. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the failures that they realized, one of the things that they learned across that process is the value of a layer is really important to a designer, right? And yes, maybe organizing layers and naming layers and all those things can be a nuisance for a designer, but it doesn't mean that you should, you know, try to innovate on something like that, right? Like if it's if it's something that's very much a staple you know, something that's very much been done before and is a proven method. Maybe there's some improvements that you could make to smooth the process, but it doesn't need to be like rethought about, right? Like if you go back and you say you're looking at a credit card thing, it doesn't always have to be the case where it's like, oh, they, the problem is they want, we need to get them to input their credit card information. And you're like, okay, hold on, wait a second. Let's talk about that. Do they really need to input their credit card information? And you're like, yes, they need to put their like, they need to put their credit card information in, right? Like, we're not going to get around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of the time, that's unless you're in the space of reinventing credit cards, right? That's not the place that you're gonna you're gonna intervene and you know rewrite the wheel. And I think that was one thing that that was kind of eye opening in their talk about XD was like when they talked about. You know, maybe we didn't need layers. The first thing I did was giggle because I was like, layers? I need layers. Like, what are you going to (laughs) do? And then as they went through their talk, they realized that, you know, people kept asking for layers. They they were asking for that organizational pattern within the app. And so they added it, right? And it solved everybody's problem. And I I think sometimes, yeah, like to your point going back earlier, I think sometimes we get in our own way and create more problems than we actually solve the problem. And I think a lot of that comes back to, you know, being a creative, thinking like a creative and trying to question everything all the time uh, does Mm -hmm. get us into trouble. And then you wind up, you know, blowing up scope and you wind up hurting your product or whatever. Um, But you, you shouldn't, you know, that goes back to the problem you're trying to solve and the scope of that project, right? Like you brought up and a really good way, a really good way to understand to understand scope is you know to talk to every you know talk to your stakeholders 
everybody involved and get a good grasp on what the scope is because they'll tell you instantly like, Hey, we don't need anything crazy here. You know, I've heard that. I've heard that a ton in my, in my career as a designer is like, Hey, hey, we just need this. We don't need anything crazy. And they know that they know that I'm going to go back to my desk and try to blow it up. Right. Because I'm a designer. (laughs) That's what I want to do. Um, so listen to them, you know, when somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, Hey, I need, I need like, can you solve this problem? But I don't, I don't need anything crazy. You know, look at what so-and-so is doing. Look what they're doing. We just need to take care of this and then we can move on to the other thing. But that's a good sign that like, you don't need to be innovative either. (laughs) But Patrick, what if they they come up to you and say that every single time? (laughs) (laughs) That maybe that's a bad PM or a developer, because <laughs> because I think I think there's a good understanding, especially from a business need. You know, like when you listen to PMs, I think from a business need, I think I think they get they get the pace of the jump rope, and they know they know when when it's okay to be innovative and when it's not, because the business will kind of dictate that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not to say that they're right every time obviously but if you're if you're getting those inputs and you're listening to them then you should be able to holistically put it together right like you know and say hey i'm gonna make this decision i'm not gonna go crazy with this i'm just gonna build a you know a credit card input screen and i'm just gonna leave it at that i'm not gonna try to like reinvent how credit works in our app or anything so i I think you i think you you'll get the sense but if you're not listening to anyone right kind of like what you were talking about earlier if you're if you're so heads down and you're not listening to anyone, then you just don't have like you don't have enough input to make a decision. And that decision being I'm done designing something like mm-hmm. you have to have enough input. You have to know what the problem is and then gather that input and then be able to put the holistically together. And I think I think, yeah, listening to people. I mean, you know, I think I think with designers, too, when when, you know, people come to you to that to that point that you made, Andy, about like. What if that happens every time? I think I think a lot of times that does happen, right? Because they know that design is an area of the process that can add weeks and weeks of time, right? Really quickly. And so I think I think people just you know, people that you work with and everybody, like they understand that there needs to be constraints and and bumpers on every project. But you need to listen to them, you know, and take those in consideration. Yeah. You don't want to be that person. Like Patrick, you know, everybody, everybody has either a friend or a family member that is just the person who is always late to just everything. Right. (laughs) And you don't want to be that person where they, they're always lying to you. Like when, when, when they're supposed to like meet up with you, the family reunion or like, or or whatever is like at six and they always tell you what's at five 30 just to get you to get there at six, you know, you don't want to be that person. They're always lying to, to, (laughs) Yeah. To get something done, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be the always late, worth the wait kind of mentality because I don't, that gets really <laughs> annoying really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you spend three weeks and show up with the same credit card form that everybody else uses, you know? Yeah. Then yeah. you're not necessarily you... worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you took all this you extra time. You weren't creative to... enough to think of a better way to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When you fail to innovate. 
Anyway, I hope that helps. Yeah, I think I think I that's think, kind think of the answered. that's the essence of being a designer is like making a decision, and I think we've been able to list a lot of tools that can help designers who may not know um, um, how they can make that decision when when their work is ready, mm-hmm. you know, when it's when it's good to go. So, hey, let's mix it. Let's mix in another analogy into this whole analogy okay. festival that we're having. Yes. It's like knowing where to go, right? Like, if you're going to get in your car and drive on a trip, like, you, you want to have a destination in mind, or you're just going to keep driving forever. Yeah. Right? You're just going to keep going. And I think sometimes it's okay to, like, not know exactly where you're going, but the area that you're going. And then sometimes it's okay to know exactly where you're headed and how many miles it's going to take. But then along the way, like you brought up, is, you know, keep your head out. Keep your head up. Keep your eyes open, you know, and then go, oh, this looks like, you know, this looks like Salt Lake. <laughs> this is, we're here. We've arrived, right you know, place, where, yeah. <laughs> you know, you like, if you're driving down to Vegas, like, you can't miss Vegas, you know, like if your eyes are even open at all, you're not going to miss Vegas. So like, you don't need necessarily the map to tell you exactly where you're at all the time. You can just look around and be like, ah, we've hit it right here. And I think it's the same thing with problems. Like if you know the problem really well and you can recognize the problem, you're going to, and you take the right inputs along the way. Like I think, you know, you're listening to the right inputs along the way. You're going to know, you're going to know when it's enough. Yeah. It's just going to happen. And you don't have to worry about it, Andy. So quit, quit worrying about it. Jeez. (laughs) You can't make me stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, yeah, good analogies. Um, we've probably covered our analogy basis, is right, Patrick? Our basis is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's like we did three, maybe four analogies. That's good, right? Yeah. That checks off the box that we've. Th- it's like knowing that we've talked about a topic enough, right? <laughs> We just know we've hit like three analogies. <laughs> now we've hit four or five. It's like that's enough analogies. Episode over. Yes, exactly. That's our that's our marker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, also, no, we're that's forty good. minutes in, so that's a good time. It's a good time to stop. Yeah, that helps. All right. Well, Chris, okay. I hope we, we answered your question. And, and I actually, I don't hope. I know that we did. Yeah, you did, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> that was Chris. Did you hear him? I heard Chris, yeah. He sounded yeah, really stoked. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay, Andy, stay hydrated, all right? All it's right. important. Yeah, that's a good call. I will do. I will do the best I can to stay hydrated. Um, if you do the best you can to stay fed. You want to know the best way to support the podcast, and I know you do because you made it to the end of this episode. That is, share it. Share it with a coworker. Share it with a family member. Share it with a friend. Share it with whoever you want to. Share it with a construction worker. Share it with somebody. It doesn't matter. Just share it. Um, a couple more ways to support the podcast, though. 
go buy a t-shirt over at designmuch.threadless.com and then wear it with pride. And then lastly, to support the podcast, we need your topics. Use hashtag designmuchtopics on social media or shoot us an email at topics at designmuch.org or just go to designmuch.org contact and fill out the form. 